Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, Shiny, Pretty, Deadly Things, The Seven Deadly Sins. Which vice has the reputation of being no fun at all? Join us for the message, Envy, the Green-Eyed Monster. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Which vice has the reputation of being no fun at all? Well, join us for the message later on of Envy, the Green-Eyed Monster. It's part of our sermon series for the season of Lent of shiny, pretty, deadly things, the seven deadly sins. And I want to remind you, I'm really, I do this every Lent, I really um, encourage you to take up some sort of a Lenten discipline. Uh, I like reading a gospel during Lent. Uh, I also suggested reading C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters and like to say that every single one I had got sold out. So that was, that was wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful book uh, that in a humorous way talks about virtues and vices. This week's scripture comes from the book of Genesis chapter 4 verses 3 to, through 10 and chapter 37 verses 1 through 4. Listen now to the word of God. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now verse chapter 37, verses 1 through 4. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The movie Amadeus is set in 18th century Vienna now, it tells the story of the relationship and the rivalry between the royal court composer Antonio Salieri and his nemesis, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. 
Now, as a young man, Salieri had, played, had prayed for musical greatness, devoting his life and his chastity to God in exchange for becoming a great composer. And he achieves a good measure of, of success writing over 40 operas over the span of his career. But then Mozart hit the scene, and Salieri was both impressed and offended by the sheer breadth and depth of Mozart's talent. How, he wondered, could God have bestowed that much talent upon such an undeserving and foolish court jester of a person? So Mozart's gifts enraged Salieri. Now, in the opening scene of the movie, Salieri is an elderly man in his room. He's playing the piano from his wheelchair. He's recently tried to commit suicide because he is guilt-stricken over his complicity in Mozart's death. And a priest has come to take his confession. And the priest urges him to unburden himself and accept God's forgiveness and to achieve some measure of peace. Salieri asks if the priest has any musical training and the priest says that he had some back in his youth. So then Salieri begins to play, asking the priest if he's ever heard any of the tunes he is playing. All the tunes that Salieri plays are unknown to the young priest. So Salieri insists that this music used to be very popular in its day. Surely some of this music must be familiar to the young priest. And the priest is embarrassed that he doesn't remember any of this music and also very exasperated that Salieri keeps asking him to recognize it. But still, the priest must continue to say that, no, he does not have any familiarity with this music. Then Salieri pauses and asks, what about this one? He begins to play, and the priest's face lights up. Yes, this one he has definitely heard before, and the priest actually starts to vocalize the tune, even after Salieri quits playing. And so now the priest is suitably impressed. He had no idea Salieri had written that wonderful tune. With his voice then dripping with resentment, Salieri responds, I didn't write it. That was Mozart. Now the rest of the movie is told in flashback as Salieri's confession, revealing a life poisoned by anger and bitterness. Antonio Salieri, Salieri is the near-perfect personification of the vice known as envy. And we find many stories of envy in the Bible. The two that Michael read are just two of very many. Cain envied God's acceptance of his brother Abel's sacrifice. Joseph's brothers envied him because their father showed him such blatant favoritism. Now, envy is going to be the second of the vices that we're going to examine that are popularly known as the seven deadly sins because we're in the season of Lent. And as we said last week, Lent is often a time when we take that opportunity to reflect on our own lives. It's during Lent when we often meditate on our own virtues and vices. Where have we missed the mark? Where have we wandered off the path? And then how can we get back on the right road? And so to aid in this reflection, Christian writers and theologians over the last 2,000 years have composed lists of virtues to emulate and vices to avoid. The most well-known of these is usually referred to as the seven deadly sins or sometimes just the seven. So what's the difference between a sin and a vice? Well, a sin is either the commission of a specific sinful act 
or it can refer to the overall condition of the human race. All of us are caught up in the power of sin from which we need to be saved. A vice, or for that matter, a virtue, is more like a habit of mind. They are character traits that one develops over a period of time until they just become an internalized part of one's very personality. And as we cultivate virtues, doing good will just kind of come out of a sense of flow, even a sense of ease, as opposed to when we have to make like an active attempt to resist a specific temptation. But to get to this sense of flow, this sense of ease, we have to be self-aware of where it is that we need to cultivate virtue, which is really another way of saying we need to be self-aware to know what our vices are and to be able to confess them. And so that's what we're going to be exploring in Lent. The seven deadly sins then, they're less really sins per se than they are common vices. And so keep in mind as we talk about these that these are more like character traits than they are specific sins. And again, I want to emphasize that this series is not about beating ourselves up or being just filled with shame or guilt. It's about cultivating virtue in the uh, pursuit of spiritual formation. Or in John Wesley's language, in our pursuit of sanctification, the process by which the Holy Spirit actually makes us holy and to go on in perfection and love. And each vice is pointing to something good, but then it gets twisted and distorted. And vices are always these unsuccessful attempts to get what it is that we really want, and that's to feel unconditionally loved and thoroughly known. I do want to ask in the sound booth if my image is going out on Facebook, because I'm not seeing it here on this monitor. Okay, because usually that, okay, I will trust you then that it's going out on Facebook. The vice of envy is no different. Just like the other seven, envy is a distorted way of getting us what it is that we really desire the most. That, that, that feeling of being loved unconditionally and being known thoroughly. But unlike the other vices, however, envy has this distinction of being the only vice that is never any fun. At least the other vices can be amusing, at least for a little while. But envy offers us nothing but misery, and yet we all experience envy. Just yesterday, I experienced envy. Bill Elliott and his buddy Steve were at my house fine-tuning my TV and stereo equipment. And Steve works at another church on Sundays, and he brought up a YouTube video of this church's Christmas program, specifically their rendition of The Little Drummer Boy, complete with multiple percussionists drumming in perfect synchronicity. And there were several other professional musicians on the stage, and they were all performing in front of this massive video wall that was behind them. And I asked Steve in astonishment, how much money does this church have? And Steve says they bring in about $15 million a year in offerings. But he quickly added, but it took them years to get to this level. At the beginning, they, were, they only had about 100 people. And I thought, do you know what I would give if I had 100 people in church every Sunday morning? So I definitely started feeling envy, and sure enough, it was no fun at all. Um, though I do have a nickname for my little cat, Daphne. 
She has black and white fur, but she has shining green eyes, so I sometimes call her my, my little green-eyed monster. <laughs> my cat is fun, but envy is not. Now, people often use the words envy, covetous, covetousness, and jealousy interchangeably, but there are some differences between these different types of vices. Jealousy is when you have something, but you're afraid it's going to be taken away from you. And that's why we often, so often, uh, associate jealousy with relationships. Because if your spouse or your significant other, say, flirts with someone else at a party, you may feel jealousy. You have a relationship, and you feel threatened that it might be taken away. Covetousness is about wanting something you do not have. Covetousness is very focused on the thing that you do not have. Your coveting will be relieved if you can come to possess the thing you desire. Someone else has the latest iPhone, which you covet. So then you go out and you buy the latest iPhone for yourself, and now you're satisfied. Envy takes this feeling of deprivation and takes it to a much deeper level. Your feelings are not necessarily focused on the thing that you desire. Your feelings are rather focused on the person who has the thing that you desire. You, you don't want to just possess something that's identical to what that person possesses. You want their possession. You want to take what is there so that they will no longer have it. You resent the person who has what you want because envy is really about how you feel about yourself. By not possessing a certain talent or possessing a certain object that you desire, you end up feeling inadequate and unworthy. And so you're focused on what your lack says about you to others. In the case of another person's talent, say as opposed to material possession, there really is no way you can ever have someone else's talent for yourself. So if envy goes unchecked, you may seek to destroy the other person. Cain killed his brother Abel. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. In Antonio Salieri's case, there was no way to transfer Mozart's talent to himself, so he sought to destroy Mozart. It's kind of the attitude, if I can't have it, then no one can have it. But in destroying Mozart, Salieri ultimately destroys himself. Of course, most of the time, our envy does not go to that level. It really shows up in more subtle ways. And in fact, uh, traditions where they have a sacrament of confession, they actually have confession manuals that their priests can follow. And this is a list of characteristics of envy that you can find in one of these confession manuals. Feeling offended at the talents, successes, or good fortune of others. Selfish or unnecessary rivalry or competition. Pleasure at others' difficulties or distress reading false motives into others' behavior, false accusations, the initiation, collection, or retelling of gossip, arousing, fostering, or organizing antagonism against the other, scorn of another's abilities or failures, teasing, bullying, ridicule of persons, and prejudice against those who we consider inferior or consider us inferior, or seem to threaten our security or our position. 
We can find it very hard to admit envy because envy is ultimately about our own feelings of inadequacy. If you say, I feel envious, then what you've done is then you've drawn attention to your own perceived inferiority and most people do not want to do that. Also, envy is usually reserved for those who may be part of our larger circle. We usually don't feel that much true envy towards, say, a celebrity or a person we don't know. The person we truly envy is the neighbor next door. It's the friend or family member or the old rival from school. We envy because we can see at least part of ourselves in them. They have the life that we could have had if we had not had to deal with the disadvantages and the bad breaks that we've had to endure. And allowed to go unchecked, envy leads to hatred. And not just hatred for others, but hatred for ourselves. And if we hate ourselves, how can we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? Antonio Salieri was so possessed of envy that he began to hate God. As a young man, he had tried to bargain with God. If I devote myself to you, then you must make me a great composer, like our relationship with God works that way. His relationship with God was poisoned from the very beginning. And the ironic thing is that Salieri was truly talented himself. He was a composer in the royal court of Vienna. Dozens of his own operas were produced during his lifetime. He was popular and well-known. He was able to live a, a life of luxury through the income that his music brought. And there are probably hundreds or even thousands of musicians back in the 18th century who would have given their eye teeth to have been in Salieri's position. I mean, just think about how hard it is to make it as a professional musician. Only a small fraction might ever get a recording contract and even fewer who ever become truly successful or famous. Salieri was at the top of his profession, but there was one person who was better. So Salieri had contempt then for the gifts that God had given him. All this points to one of the most important virtues that we can cultivate in order to combat the vice of envy, and that is gratitude. Instead of focusing on what God has given others, we need to count our own blessings and focus on what God has given us. As one writer pointed out, the essence of envy is that it rejects the good life God has given us and obsesses over what God has given someone else. And so instead, we need to make not envy, but gratitude a habit of mind and internalized character trait. But we also need to realize that our worth is in God's love for us. Not in our talents, not in our accomplishments or our possessions. We are unconditionally loved by a God who created us in an act of pure love. And it is in God's love that we find our own worthiness. And also, we need to remember that God unconditionally loves the person that you envy. Plus, you never know. You never know what others are facing that you may know nothing of. What burdens, what misfortunes, what crosses they must bear. Because, as we talked about vainglory last week, the images that we cultivate for public consumption are never the whole story. And that is true for ourselves, 
And it's true for those that we envy. We don't know the road that they are walking on. And perhaps it all really does then comes down to compassion. Compassion for ourselves, compassion for others, compassion for all these foibles and faults and failures that we all have, and a deep gratitude for how much compassion that God has for all of God's children. And also gratitude for all of the ways that God has given all of us gifts and talents. We should rejoice. Remember we talked last week about C.S. Lewis's view of uh, magnanimity. We rejoice and give thanks for all our accomplishments, our present accomplishments, but also the accomplishments of others. And we take equal pleasures in both because we delight in the creativity and generosity of the creator. Time spent being envious is just time wasted, as well as being no fun. And we all have gifts and talents that the people we envy do not have. So let's appreciate and use what we have been given so that all of us may know the joy of knowing the God who created us all. Amen. And now receive this benediction. You are a beloved child of God. So go forth and love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we continue our sermon series, Shiny, Pretty, Deadly Things, The Seven Deadly Sins, with a look at sloth, if we can get around to it. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.